You are listening to a broadcast of Dublin First Baptist Church, Pastor Cameron McGill in Dublin, North Carolina. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist Church and the Lake Church to hear from God's Word. Psalm 119, verse 11. If you have your Bible, Psalm 119 and verse 11. I'm grateful every week that God gives us what we need. I remember when I began as the pastor in 2000 here, I would think sometimes, how am I going to come up with enough things for every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, revivals and special occasions and funerals and weddings and all of those kind of things. And you know what I figured out? You don't have to come up with it. You don't. If you'll be sensitive and keep your ear very open, your heart hopefully tender and sensitive to the Word of God, He will speak to you. And there's many times on a Monday, I'm thinking toward Wednesday night, and I'm thinking, my goodness, another Wednesday's coming. Sundays and Wednesdays come so quickly. And, um, but every week, it seems the Lord just, uh, just impacts my heart with something that I needed to hear. And then you get the benefit of hearing what God's been saying to me all week. So Psalm 119, verse 11, a verse that you are familiar with. If you're in our Awana ministry, it is one of the heart verses that the kids commit uh, to their memory and uh, very, very, very early on. In fact, it is in their pledge to the Bible and other things of that nature. Thy word, whose word? God's word. Have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The psalmist writes here that there needs to be something that we are ingesting, something that we are, are taking in, something that we are making part of us. I'm always amazed when I go to a heart cath or a, a procedure where so many times folks will have no idea of the condition of their heart. They'll do a cath or they'll do an EKG or do uh, other kind of scans and they, the doctors will come out and they'll have a little picture there and I'm pretty good at them. I use this, ooh, 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 let, 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 let me show them what's wrong. I can tell you exactly where the blockages are, where the little bends and the kinks are, where you need a stent, where you need angioplasty or if you need open heart, or if they need to medicate, or whatever, I can usually figure it out because I've seen enough of them. But almost without exception, people are sort of taken off guard. They'll say, well, I had no idea. I thought I was fine. How did this happen? And most time they'll say, well, it didn't just happen overnight. It happened gradually, year after year after year of whether it is, uh, you know, not eating right, or not exercising, or not having a healthy diet, or just... Uh, you know, your cholesterol or things that you can't help that you were just born with, your genetic profile, whatever it might be, but you find out that there are things inside of the heart that were taking place in many ways uh, just unknown to the patient. I think we're having some technical difficulties with the sound. If we Okay. Tonight I want to just share you a few thoughts on the subject, what's in my heart. What's in my heart? Five things very quickly. N number one, those things that I choose to hide in my heart. And by the way, we make those choices. There are times that I look at my little girl and she'll give me a look. 
and I'll realize that she's been hiding something. Uh, maybe she's been watching the Disney Channel just a wee bit too much or uh, something, or maybe she's been um, you know, hanging, ar- hanging around the wrong crowd. Sometimes I wonder if she might be the wrong crowd. You don't ever know, you know. But, um, and you'll look and you'll think, where did that come from? Where did that look come from? Everybody do that. If you've got a, if you've got a daughter, whether she's a teenager, there you go. Thank you, Daphne. Would you please come and do that for everybody? Did you ever give your daddy one of them looks? That's kind of what I was thinking. But, but you know that, th- that what's coming out, somewhere along the way it was taken in. It, 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 it literally became part of who they are. So there's nothing that we need to hide in our heart that would come out in a negative way or come out in a, an offensive way or a hurtful way or a harmful way. Think about this. Those things I hide in my heart. Number one, according to the Bible, it is the Bible that we hide in our heart. Now, how do we do that? We do not hide the Word of God in our heart by coming to church on Sunday morning and saying, Preacher, bless me if you can. We do not hide the Word of God in our heart by default by simply what happens to, to maybe fall onto our deaf ears and somehow sink in. We don't just hide the Word of God in our heart by occasionally while we're riding down the road turning on a Christian channel and hoping maybe we will get something. But hiding the Word of God in our heart is something that we need to be diligent about and we need to be intentional about. And the Bible says that we're to study to show ourselves approved, not just occasionally reflect or occasionally listen. I wonder sometimes... How much of the Word of God are we really hiding? Are we really soaking in? Listen, a limited knowledge of the Bible can be very, very dangerous. Why is it that so many people, the Bible says, are are led astray by false doctrine? It's because they are not well grounded in correct doctrine. So as we hide the Word of God in our heart, we realize that we are literally taking in what God wanted us to have. We are allowing it to become part of our possession, part of our spiritual resume. So we hide the Word of God in our heart. But just a couple other things. If you were here Sunday, maybe there's another something you hide in your heart. Anybody want to guess? Thank you, Larry. I'm so grateful that somebody pays attention, right? At least one person said, music. And I didn't mean Larry was the only one paying attention. He just has to because he sits in the choir and he's on video. But music. Think about how our memory, how, it's, how our, our minds absorb music and, and we, we're able to retain those things. So we're hiding the Word of God in our heart through music. How about this? Precious memories we hide in our heart. Many of you, and I'm not talking about the song Precious Memories, but I'm talking about experiences that you've had in your life where you're able to Take that and, and place it in a place deep in your heart that you can reflect upon, that you can gain strength from. The things that we're going to have to face later on in life, God's prepared us for. And by watching and witnessing how other people handle situations, by watching how other people handle the storms of life, or by watching how other people handle, handle you know, raising a family or dealing with crisis or whatever it might be, we are, again, developing uh, just a great um, you know, wealth of uh, wisdom by what we're hiding in our heart. Precious memories, blessed experiences, things that, that God allows us to go through and we can say, I'm going to store that up. Now, honestly, there are things that we ought not store up. We'll talk about that. But when we talk about hiding the Word of God in our heart, think about spiritually, what are we storing up? What are we allowing to become part of who we are? 
Many times I've talked to people and they said, boy, if I'd have known how this was going to turn out, I wouldn't have had so many hamburgers along the way. I wouldn't have taken in so many bad things. I wouldn't have taken in so many things that were going to be harmful to me. I would have eaten more carrots. I would have eaten more cauliflower. I would have eaten more, you know, good stuff. And how many times do we face in life situations that we say, I wished I had a deeper well to draw from. I'm standing here with bucket in hand and I have a need, yet there is so very little that I can draw from. I've not hidden things in my heart that help me and that encourage me. Those things I hide in my heart. Number two, there are those things according to the word of God that we can harbor in our heart. And let me just say to you, this is the natural way of doing things. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter of the Bible says in part, I will keep no record of wrongs. In other words, there are things that if we're not careful, we'll keep a record of things and we'll, we'll harbor things rather than hiding the good things, we'll harbor the bad things. Maybe there are some things you would share tonight. We're an intimate crowd of people. What are things that people sometimes harbor in their heart? Hurt? I was done wrong, right? Unforgiveness? Something else. Resentment? Jealousy? Animosity? Those things that we harbor in our heart are those things that hinder us from being able to serve the Lord. And let me just tell you, the enemy loves for us to harbor things. He loves for us to hold on to things. The, the, the Word of God says very clearly that we're to lay aside the weights and the sin that does so easily beset us. And those are two different things. Sin is very obvious. Those are the things that we do that breaks God's law. But those things that are just weights are those things that, that hold us and that hold us back and that bind us. And that cause us not to be able to have a productive Christian life. Remember, hide the word of God in our heart so that you might not sin against him. But when we harbor things in our heart, it will cause us to sin against him. And let me tell you, it's not easy to fight the temptation of harboring things. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a tendency to live as a victim or a victor? I know that may sound a little Joel Osteen-ish. You know, I could stand up here and smile real good and give you a story about I'm not a victim, I'm a victor. But here's the deal. Based on the world's understanding, you and I are victims. I mean, coming to church tonight, you are probably cut off in traffic if you happen to face some traffic. I can assure you, before the night is over, somebody's going to look at you. Somebody's going to say something to you. Somebody's going to do something to hurt your and we're going to have the choice. Am I going to harbor that or am I going to let it go? I read a story about, about a man that he was just convinced that, that everybody was against him. He was just convinced that nobody liked him and, and that, that everybody hated him. And one time a, a friend of his said, well, I want you to go to a football game with me. He'd never been to a football game. He said, well, I reckon it won't hurt. I'll go to this here football game. So he went to the football game and he was sitting up there in the stands not really understanding what's going on. This team comes out and this team comes out and kick the ball down this way and they get it and they run down and then the ball just stopped. And then all of a sudden, this one team went over into the corner and they all got down together and they put their arms around one another. Well, this guy gets up out of the stands and storms away from his friend and just goes right out of the football stadium. His friend chases him down. 
I said, what's wrong with you? The game just started. What's your problem? He said, I saw it. Did you see it? All of those guys got down there. I'm sure they were talking about me. If we're not careful, the enemy would create in us this idea and the unforgiveness and the jealousy and the animosity and we will harbor those things until it would create in us almost a sense of paranoia. Be careful what we're harboring in our heart. Don't you just love to be around a little child? had a meeting before church and uh, two children, uh, one is eight and one's two, two or three. And I was sitting there talking to the eight-year-old and, and the two or three-year-old just wanted to play with my hand. She was counting my fingers. So I'm having a very deep conversation with the eight-year-old while the other one's just counting my fingers. Hey, I'm cool with that, you know. It's keeping her occupied. And I look over and she's just in a sense of awe. Maybe she's never seen a hand so hairy that wouldn't on an ape. I don't know. Or maybe she's never seen fingernails that have been bit down to a nub like mine. But you just look at the child and you think, why are you so innocent? I submit to you, one of the reasons a child is so innocent is because they haven't yet begun to harbor things. They haven't begun to hang on to things. You know? Number three, those things I hide in my heart. Those things I harbor in my heart. No, number three, those things that humble my heart. You know, there's not much in life that a dose of humility can't cure. You know how we ought to learn to treat people, and this is across the board from the pulpit to the pew, how we need to learn to treat people? We need to learn to treat people the same way people are treating one another in Houston tonight. They're not seeing race. They're not seeing demographics. They're not seeing socioeconomic levels. The fact is, if your home's just been destroyed in the flood, it doesn't matter if it was a single white or a mansion, you homeless. But somehow, we have a tendency to be people that are driven by pride. So, so what can humble our heart? You know, it's not a matter of our lives needing to be humbled. Our minds need to be humbled. But literally, it is our heart that's the root of all of our emotions. And the Bible says that pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. But humility, that's what exalts us. That's what lifts us up. That's what encourages us is having a, a humble and contrite spirit. A spirit that says it's not all about me. A spirit that says I am not, you know, the, the center of attention and I am not to be the center of the universe and, and all of those kinds of things. As I thought about that this week, God humbled my heart. Two things kept coming to mind. Number one, my heart is humbled when I appreciate God's blessing. When I truly appreciate God's blessing. One of the greatest privileges of being a pastor, and this is difficult even to hear, but it's a great privilege, is walking someone to the grave. And I'm not talking about the day of the funeral, but I'm talking about walking someone to their grave that God has given an amazing grace, an amazing sense of peace, over their diagnosis. Um, trying to think who it was. Three of us dug a ditch the other day. That's Nelson, maybe me and Nelson. And we have a friend. Uh, he, and some of you would know him, but 
he attends the lake campus and he has uh, pancreatic cancer. And every once in a while, he would just, his mind would kind of wander. And he'd just start talking about the strangest things. He's not out of his mind. He's just appreciating things that I couldn't appreciate because I was too busy digging a ditch. And he said, you know, one thing I've learned, when you have a diagnosis like mine, you take time to smell the roses. You take time to notice the small things. You take time to acknowledge the simplest blessings. Thought about Jimmy V and his great speech to those uh, athletes and, and broadcasters about taking time to smell the blessing, or you know, to, to smell the roses and acknowledge the blessings. Well, it humbles our heart when we just stop and realize how good God is. Now, the enemy doesn't want us to stop and do that. The enemy wants us to concentrate on, on, on the things that are, you know, that, that are going wrong and the things that are not as we would have them to be. Appreciation for God's blessings. I've had two or three people recently say, Preacher, and, and don't run with this, but I don't know how you do it. Because the... The details right now are kind of confusing. I don't know how you'd be a principal at a school leader, okay? I don't know how you'd be a fireman and run into a house. So don't misunderstand. A lot of people got things that I... But they'll say, I don't know how you do it. You know, like, like Sunday morning. I don't know how you do it. What do you mean? Most preachers only get to preach once. I get to preach twice. You know, and there are times I walk down from the pulpit at the lake and I realize I got to hurry, I got to do this and that. But I get to go preach again. That's a blessing. It's not a burden. Whatever it is that God's called us and equipped us to do, we can see it as a burden or we can see it as a blessing. Now, are there burdens that we deal with along the way? Yes, and when the burdens come, we can choose to concentrate on them or we can choose to turn our eyes towards Jesus and say, God, these are truly blessings, you know? Imagine if we could learn to look at every situation from a heavenly perspective. I use this illustration a lot, and I don't mean to elevate. I just, I was talking earlier about storing precious memories. I got to be there in the hospital in Moore County, um, and time gets away from me, six, seven, how many years ago? And I got to the Moore County Hospital before John and Jean made it from the mountains to see Brett. And I watched that mom and daddy walk into that room, see their son at 50 who had just had a massive stroke. And I watched Miss Jean act like she always did, walk up beside the bed and begin singing. I watched them give me the keys to their motor home and say, we don't need it anymore. Sell it and give money to, the, to missions. I watched them take their home and convert it into a makeshift nursing home. And I think... There's probably little in life that I could face that would even compare to that. And I think, how can you do that? Because they've chosen to see their son and they've chosen to see this circumstance and they've chosen to see this situation in their mid-80s, not as a burden, but as a blessing. I've watched friends who were diagnosed with cancer see it not as a burden, but as a blessing. I've seen people say, you know, if I hadn't have had cancer, I would never have gotten so close to the Lord. I never would have seen things from this perspective. And I'm going, really? Because I think if I were diagnosed tonight with cancer, I would probably have a pity party and invite all of you to come and bring your pity gifts to me. 
But when we get to the point that we say, Lord, I want to acknowledge all the blessings that are before you and all the blessings that are mine, it makes us humble. But not only that, I need to move very quickly. Not only appreciation for God's blessings, but admiration for God's people. Admiration for God's people. There have been situations over the last few weeks that I was literally speechless. I've watched people labor and work and heard testimonies about ramps being built and, and walls being constructed and roofs being repaired. And, and I look and, and many times I'm able to be there and many times I'm not. But I have such an admiration. Now I want to tell you something. I want to let you into a little glimpse of, of a part of me that, I'm, that I just don't, don't say to many people. I wouldn't do it on Sunday morning. But I wouldn't. I wonder sometimes, where would I be if I weren't a minister? Would I be as committed as many of you are? Now, that may sound, oh, because I've just, I've never been a church member. Did y'all know that? Never been a church member. I mean, it's like never play ball, but they make you the coach, I guess. But I've never had a choice, okay? Now, follow me. Don't, don't go home and say, we've got a heretic for a preacher. Follow me. From the moment I've been involved in the local church, I got a check. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the way you take care of my family and all these things. But there are times I step back and I think, if I were in my 80s and in good health, would I be climbing ladders and swinging sledgehammers and pouring concrete and, and doing all these things? Would I be going and building ranch for people? Would I be coming to church early and staying late? Would I be doing all of that? And I hope the answer is absolutely, without a doubt, I would be and I would be singing in my heart every step of the way. But as your pastor, there are times that I back up and I just watch you work whether it's in the kitchen or whether it's singing or teaching a class or doing some ministry project or distributing coats uh, for the city or, or being on a mission trip or whatever it is. And there are times that I'm just overwhelmed and I'm not a huggy person, but if I just walk up and give you a hug, it probably means, wow, I admire what you're doing. That will humble your heart. When you get to that point that you just look and you have true admiration for the people of God, I am blessed that I get to pastor not one but two fairly thriving and, and good churches that are, for the most part, healthy. But I have dear friends that are struggling every week just to keep the doors open and to pay the power bill, and they're not sure if they're going to get a paycheck this month or not because the budget, they're so far behind, and all of these things. And I look at these guys, and they're studying, and they're preparing, and they might be getting up in front of 15 people, but they're giving it everything they've got, and I admire them, and that makes my heart very humble. You see, the opposite of that, maybe we'll understand, is when we stand back and we don't admire other people and we somehow want all the attention on ourselves, that causes us to have a proud, a proud or a prideful heart. So, you know, pray, God, you know, help my heart to be humble. Number, number four, I forgot I got to go have prayer with the young lady on the other side of town. Those things that, hide it, that I hide in my heart, those things that I harbor in my heart, those things that humble my heart, number four, those things that harden my heart. Ezekiel, in that amazing book of just deep prophetic wisdom the word of god says this i will take your heart and in exchange give you my heart your heart is hard and it is cold and it is indifferent and it is insensitive but my heart is warm and it is tender and it is very sensitive the things that harden my heart anger hurt the sin that we commit, our nature. Let me tell you, the Bible says that we're to guard our heart just because naturally our heart will harden. If you didn't know this, you can eat healthy 
You can run and exercise and do everything. But as you get older, your heart, just because of the natural aging process, your heart will get hardened, literally, in your body. That just happens. And it, we have to fight at it every day. I know people in the community that are 85 years old and, and they're working out and they're at the fitness center when the doors open and they're, and they're jogging and they're eating and they're doing everything, but no matter what they try, they still are aging. We need to give it everything we've got because by nature, our hearts will grow hard. So many times as we get older, you know, I remember, you know, through the years I've met people and, and, and this kind of a hardened, you know, character and uh, you would think, have you always been this way or did you just kind of grow into it? Listen, we have to be very, very careful. One cheeseburger won't cause you to have heart disease. A life of eating cheeseburgers will cause you to have heart disease. Sometimes it's all of those things through our lives that we didn't even realize were going on that hard. There's a country song, and the premise of the country song is basically there's a, a woman who's pretty well living a rough life, and she's not a very pleasant person, and the song says, don't blame her, life made her this way. Life will make us hardened. I, I warn people sometimes, and not that people need me to warn them, but don't spend a lot of time watching the news. One of the worst things that happened in our nation was this 24-hour news where people sit and they watch news over. And by the way, there's not enough news to, to cover 24 hours a day so they just have people that get on there and talk about their opinions. Very dangerous thing. But if you're not careful, you'll sit there and, and all of this information is being pumped in, all those things that, you're, that, that are coming into your, into, your, uh, you know, into your mind and into your heart and into your life will literally harden you to the point you'll just think this world's not worth living in and life is just miserable and all of these things... Be careful of those things that harden your heart. Finally, don't miss this part because I'm a minute and a half late. There are the things I hide in my heart, the word of God, the things that, harbor, that I harbor in my heart by choice, the things that humble my heart, the things that harden my heart. Ah, but I like this one. And I'm thankful because I thought about it for a long time, trying to come up with the right word that begins with, you know. And I said, Lord, I need a word that comes, up, comes with H. I and I said, Tiffany, what's the word that begins with H? She wasn't any help. And my phone was a text from my boy. Those things that hasten your heart. Love that word, hasten. You say, well, I don't even know what it means. There's a hymn, I will hasten. Hasten to, hasten so glad and free. It is the picture of us being quickened, of us being snapped to life, of us being inspired, of us being raised up, literally of our heart being so provoked that action immediately precedes it. Think about it. What things will hasten my heart? There are things that naturally, if you see somebody getting ready to fall, you will probably naturally try to catch them. If someone throws something at you, you will naturally try to block it from hitting you in the face, hopefully. But what is it that, not just physically, but spiritually, the Bible says, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. When I think about somebody doing something heartily, I'm thinking about something that just is an immediate response and an action that is fervent and that is full of energy. 
being quickened to serve Him. I don't know what hastens your heart. For some, it is sympathy. And then a lot depends on your spiritual gifts. I pick on Miss Peggy here tonight. If someone passes away in the community, she is hastened to service. She's the first one there before the mortician normally to pitch in and to help out. There are others of you tonight that if you know there's someone in the community who's sick, you're going to be the first one with a pot of soup going through the door. Whatever it is that touches your heart and there's a response to action. Here's the deal. Communication, TV, radio, other things, internet, social media. There are tons of things that try to hasten us. I have seen uh, commercials where little dogs are starving. And I'm thinking, I want to send every dime I have to save those little dogs. It touches my heart. You know, we see children in Africa starving, want to send money so that those children can be fed. Lost people can be emotionally drawn to respond, but only a child of God can truly be hastened. It is when the Holy Spirit of God calls us to action and we immediately respond. Be careful what you're hiding in your heart, what you're harboring in your heart, what you're allowing to humble your heart and harden your heart. And pray with me tonight as we close.